0: Let's have a word of prayer. We'll read the first four verses and I'll see if I can explain to you what it is I think I'm trying to accomplish in this here text. Father, we come to you, the author and finisher of our faith. Please help us, Lord. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see. Open our hearts that we may embrace the amazement of this text. Father, help us who are called by your names bow before your will, your way, and your purposes. To your glory in Christ's name. Amen. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have directed the churches of Galatia, so do you also. On the first day of every week, each one of you is to put aside and save as he may prosper so that no collection may be made when I come. When I arrive, whomever you have approved, I will send with them letters to carry your gift to Jerusalem and a fitting for me to go. Also, they will go with me. We are looking at five points in this text and I, and I um, I had kind of broke it down, and I kind of had an idea of what the frame was, but then it dawned on me that there are some issues that exist in the body of Christ today that I should probably deal with it. And and so what I have here is that we were moving in to the protection in giving and I, I have found that there is a bridge that moves from the principles of giving and it ties to the protection that comes in giving. Uh, part of it is going to become very academic. I mean, it is dealing with what does it mean to save and what is this treasure and where is this collection point. Um, I'm going to deal with the tithe. I have decided uh, people, I'll, that'll be in a week or so. Okay. But but I want to deal with this in in its totality. And because the phrase that you see there in verse 1, now concerning the collection, is the same phrase that you see in 12.1 concerning spiritual gifts. And so what you have, if you take it all the way back to chapter 7, verse 1, he says, now concerning the things you've asked me about, that you have written me about. So if you're really honest with the text, he's still dealing with things that the Corinthians are wanting understanding in. When I make the the comment in the last few weeks on our favorite doctrine of Scripture, that Christians line up, to hear taught is the doctrine of giving. Every Christian wants to know more about giving, right? No. And, and I want to touch on today why. Because it is a bridge that goes from the principle of giving to the protection of giving. Okay, and, I, and we'll deal with it. We've already looked at its purpose in verse 1. It is for the saints. And I also showed you that it is for the leadership. Okay, why? It is to meet the needs of the saints. It is to meet the needs of the leadership. Not only meet the needs of the leadership, Timothy tells us that those who teach well at, and, and preaching and teaching and are diligent are worthy of double. Okay? And now, I'm not saying that because that's what I do. I'm saying that because that is what the Word of God says. Okay, now, if you don't like me teaching that, take it up with the author. All right? And, and, and it, we need to understand that. But when we looked at the principles, it was really straightforward on the first day of every week. What is that? Sunday. 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 Okay. Why? Because God wants you and he wants me to be good stewards with what he has given us. Okay. And, you know, and I, I told you, I knew a guy who wrote one check tithing for the year once a year. And I told him that that was sin. He says, no, you don't understand. I give them. Based on everything, I said, no, 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 no. You are not being a good steward or realizing the readiness and the reality of stewardship to God in what? All things. And in all things, that would even include giving. All right? Um, And yet, there is a, 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 a thing that shows up here that I believe that many in the church... Listen, many in the church today do not want to hear about giving. I agree emphatically that giving has been perverted in the body of Christ. Okay, I agree. Absolutely. Emphatically, I agree. There are people who do this as a living Okay, it is not a life. It is a living, and God, in some cases, exposes it. Does He not? Well, we have seen that here in our community, both north and south, that God says, "No, they're charlatans, and I will call them charlatans. I will call them false teachers. Okay, I will call them in the line of Balaam. Okay, they're doing it for the cash." They're doing it for the cash. Okay, now when I look at this text, I I want us to, I I watch people kind of just brush over them and these are not commands by fiat from God. Oh, by the way. Okay? Where is he coming out of? He's coming out of the doctrine of the resurrection. And in light of the resurrection, you should be Giving. It is a pattern given by the Apostle Paul um, from a, a serious basis for giving in the church. And listen, here's the key they knew about this. Remember, chapter 7, verse 1? Now concerning the things which you wrote, they understood that they were supposed to be giving. And and I watch at times people struggle with this. And I I think the thing with giving is, is, is this simple for me. Are you available to God? You know what? I didn't hear a big amen anywhere. Because if you're not giving monetarily... Luke 16 says you won't be given the real treasures. Okay? And so when I look at giving, and I'm talking about cash. If you're not doing that, you're not available to God. Listen, the Bible contains a great number of warnings about money probably the summary that i would conclude that kind of summarize everything that the bible teaches on money comes out of first timothy chapter 6 verse 9 and 10 9 says but those who want to get rich Fall into temptation and a snare, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin and destruction. Do you get that? All right. For the love of money is a root for all sorts of evil, and some, by longing for it, have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I mean, if you're really honest with me, those two verses right there <laughs> pretty much summarize it, don't you think? I mean, if you read that, you fall into temptation if you want to get rich. Okay? It's a snare. It's a trap. Many foolish and harmful desires which plunge men into ruin. It literally drowns them into ruin. All kinds of evil come from money, Paul tells Timothy. And we'll we'll hear this because flee these things. Did you see what he just said here? He doesn't say dig in and fight the good fight. He says, what run, run away. Why? It will whoop you. And so your best defense when it comes to riches is to run, flee. The Lord himself says you cannot serve God and money. But I want to ask you a question. How many of you have worked overtime in your job? And you did that because you just love it. No, you did that because Christmas was coming. Right? How many of you have worked overtime for the Lord Jesus Christ? I mean, I wonder if anybody really ever worked overtime in their job so that that extra money I can give to Jesus. Just a question. I didn't hear a lot of amen's on that one either. I don't get paid overtime, so I try to avoid it. <laughs> sometimes sometimes I'm there you go. Sometimes I'm successful, and sometimes I'm awful at it listen I want you to understand something money can definitely be a curse I mean it is really obvious here in 1st Timothy 6 that Paul is warning Timothy you know this has got ugly all over it do you understand that for money Achan brought defeat on the armies of Israel for money not only did he bring defeat, he brought death to himself and his entire family, all for money. Did you know that for money, Balaam sinned against God and tried to curse God's people? Now, people say, well, that Balaam, I, I, I like this donkey. Do you know that Balaam prophesied Messiah? Do you know that Balaam was set aside as a prophet? And you know who set him aside as a prophet? God did. Balaam. But what happened to Balaam? The love of money. Did you know that it was for money that Delilah betrayed Samson? I mean, and it was obvious that God's hand was on Samson. Even Delilah saw that. And yet for Money For money, Gizai, he lied to Nahum and Elijah and became a leper. And it's for money. Do you know that it was for money that Ananias and Sapphira said that I will lie to the Holy Spirit? For money. Did you know that it was for money that Judas sold the son of God and damned his soul? Money has been a curse for many. Paul already told us that those who would be rich will fall into that temptation, a snare, and they will be fall into foolish and hurtful and lustful things. It will destroy them. It will destroy them. I watch people in the pastorate today, and it grieves my heart to watch what they do for. Money. I know a pastor, great big pastor right now. Everybody knows his book. I'm not going to mention it. Everybody knows who I'm talking about. And he made millions and millions and millions and millions on these publications that he has put out. And then everybody says, praise God, praise God. And he says, you know what? I'm making so much money. I will no longer take money from the church. I will only take it from my publisher. You know what you just did? Denied the Bible. And why do I say that? Those who would preach the gospel are to make their living by the church. I know another pastor that I admire very much who has published many, 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 many books. He has a, he has a radio broadcast right now that anywhere on the planet Earth, any given 30 minutes, his, voice been, his words are being preached. There's nowhere on the globe today, that he is not being preached. All right? I know emphatically that he has published more books than than I'll ever read. And yet he takes not a dime from the radio ministry or the television ministry or the publisher. His only payment comes from the church. How is that? How is that? Because on the other hand, money is a curse. On the other hand, the Bible teaches that money can be great blessing also. God says that silver and gold are his. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, it says God, it is God who has given us the power to get wealth. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4 verse 7 he says what do you have that you did not receive James says that every good and perfect thing comes down from the father of light and there is no shadow of its turning And of course we all know that he has the cattle on a thousand hills Sometimes we wish you'd sell a few. I'm I'm hungry. All right. I don't... We need to understand that money can cause us to be greatly blessed. Absolutely. The problem is, in our country today, money is our master's. Money is our master's. You know, and we call it all kinds of weird things. Well, it's sort of an idol, or it's kind of this, it's kind of of that, and and all the rest of it. You know, and I watch people, they say, well, I just don't have no credit cards. You know what? I I do. I'm always somewhere that I ended up needing to have to rent a car, and you just can't do it with cash. I've tried it. (laughs) I ain't taking your money. Well, what am I going to do? Walk? Cabs. Oh, now there's cost-effectiveness. But the problem is, is that we allow finances to master us. You know, when I hear that these ministries are suffering, uh, I meet with a number of pastors here in town, and everybody keeps telling me that their giving is almost dried up. Uh, I know a fairly good-sized church just the, um, their, a couple of weeks ago, their whole congregation, uh, way bigger than this one, the whole offering was $58. And 45 of it came from a teenager. But they will all tell you that I am just financially strapped. You know what you just told me? You have fallen into all kinds of snares. And you are drowning. And you know what? God is not going to give you the riches of new souls. Because if He does... That would make him a liar. All right. So money can be a curse. Money can be a blessing. And I, it all depends on one thing. One minor thing. Did you know that? What is your attitude that you have towards money? When you think that most Christians, when they hear that the preacher's teaching on Giving, what is the average Christian's response? Yeah. Ain't the Super Bowl this weekend? <laughs> well, you know, I haven't got to see the Super Bowl. I'm going to buy T-Boat it. I'll watch it later <laughs> when the pastor's teaching on giving. Do I have an attitude of sharing of giving? I mean, do. Let me ask you a question. Everybody who is here today believes that the Bible is the Word of God, right? Well, believe that. Absolutely. The jot and the tittle. Okay, heaven and earth will pass away, but my word shall never. Let me ask you a question. Is it more blessed to give than to receive? You know what? The Bible says you're better off giving. You're more blessed in giving than taking. And you know what the tragedy of that text is? There are too many illustrations that go with the wrong attitude. I mean, I was thinking about this. How can I illustrate this? And I got a headache. How can I illustrate the opposite? It's difficult. Let me tell you about this issue. When you see people that says, well, I don't want to hear him tell me about Giving. Do you understand what they just did? When you don't want to hear about giving, do you understand what the problem is? Let me tell you something first and foremost, just to make it clear. It ain't me. I ain't the problem. You know what the problem is? Did you know that the problem is one of the Ten Commandments? Thou shalt not covet. That's the problem when people are more worried about what is in their pockets than giving to the Lord or I'll give after my pockets or, you know, if I had more money, yeah, that's it. If God would bless me with like the winning lotto ticket, then I would be able to really, really give You know, if I could work some overtime maybe and then catch up on this bill and pay this often, then I'd be able to, to give the Bible calls it covetousness. And I would argue that covetousness is the single greatest dominating sin of humanity. In fact, I shared it. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And I believe that it's basic. I believe it is the very, very fabric, the very nature, the very DNA of humankind. Listen, let's be realistic. I, it, it, Matt's got a sweetheart. Um, Nate's got two little darlings and all the rest of it. If you've ever had kids, what is the first sin... Manifested by your children. I mean, before they even get a vocabulary, you will hear the word, Mine! And then when the vocabulary grows, then you get, Give me that! Right? You don't teach them that. And the very first manifestation of the vile nature of humanity is coveting. It's coveting. It's part of our problem. It is seen really early. Really early. Listen, the serpent in the garden says, If you eat of this, you will what? You will know as God knows. Okay? Does that become.? Well, we have an overwhelming desire to be smart. No, that ain't what it is. We covet. We covet. It's part of our society, it's part of what we do. We struggle with it all of our life long. I don't care who you are. Our society panders coveting. We have an ent- a whole industry that is based on coveting, advertising. What is that based on? Coveting. I mean, have you ever thought about it? I have, out where I live, you can't, you know, everybody can put an antenna up. Yeah, okay, then I got nothing. All right, so I had to get a um, A dish. To to at one time we had cable, but the cable never mind. That's a long story. All right, but when, I remember when cable came out. You know why you paid to get cable? Anybody know? There's no advertising. When cable first came out, I spent this much money a month, and there's no Procter and Gamble, right? There's no advertising. I don't have to worry about General Motors. And that, that was why you got it. Have you anybody got cable now or satellite? How's that working for you? I'm spending how much money, and I'm still stuck looking at advertising. Somebody getting rich, right? You have a whole industry, and what is it based on? You deserve this. You need this. You need that. Why don't you have one of these? You should. This and here will wash better. This will make your teeth prettier. This in here, you drink enough of this, everybody's pretty. (laughs) Well, ain't it true? Our society panders this and pushes this in ways that will make it tough to fight. Makes it tough to fight. Listen, who has ever confessed covetousness? Right? I mean, we can just long for stuff everywhere. Oh, man, I'm giving one in. You know, if I work four shifts, I can get this done. If I work nine shifts, I can get this done. If I do this, I can get this done. It'll take like an hour at this time, this and now You know, what's the big deal? You know what? If I don't go to church on Sunday, I can get double time by doing whatever. As I shared with you last week that I know a guy who had this priest friend had been a priest for forty some odd years and had heard everything you could dream of confessed in in the confessional, except for one thing, was never ever confessed, and that was coveting. It was coveting. Never heard it. You know why? I think. It's very subtle, isn't it? Maybe it isn't for you, but it is subtle for me to deal with coveting. Just very subtle, it just creeps in. You just look at something, you see something, or you'll hear something, and hmm, maybe. It's a thing that will rob us of the liberty to give the way God wants us to give. And it'll steal it just like that. So how are we going to be blessed? How how are we going to be blessed in the way God wants to bless us if coveting is ruling us? I mean, when you look at the other the other ones, you know, murder. Well, that's you yeah, know, yeah, I, I bet I can get in trouble for that. You know, what if somebody catches me? You can go down stealing, man, I bet you, that'll get me in trouble. I mean, if you're a kid, I got to honor my parents, why? They'll knock the tar out of me, right? But you see how that all goes down the line, we can do it? But you know what? You can covet, not only that, you live in a group, in a society, in a whole human race that what? Honors it. Promotes it. It has a badge of honor to it. I think about sports stars, and and they sign this contract with just more money than you can haul on a train. And then about halfway through, they say, you know what, I'm going to break this contract. I need more. Yeah. What? Yeah, I, I, I need more. We sign a contract to buy an automobile, and then a new smell wears off. And it ain't very long. I mean, you're always out shining it and buffing it and polishing it and and vacuuming it. And then finally you get tired of it. And the next thing you know, you want what? Another one. Why? I need it. I deserve it. I got a house. You want a house? I remember buying a house. The big thing was to have carpeting on the floor. All right. And then if you could get carpeting in the bathroom and carpeting in the kitchen, dude, you've arrived. Okay, now guess what? I want wood floors in the bathroom and I want wood floors in the kitchen. Well, take the carpeting up. There it is. Wood. But you see this over and over. You know, I remember him. If you had a garage. Oh. Then all of a sudden you've got to have a two car garage. Well, that ain't very good. I need a Three-car garage. Then you got to have what? Three cars to put in a garage. I've had a garage I don't know how many years. I don't think I've ever had a car in it, other than to work on it. Why? It's coveting. It's coveting. It's the single thing that I think maybe robs us more than anything. It robs us of the freedom to give in the way God wants us to give so that he can bless us in the way God wants to bless us. Because remember, you all said you believe the Bible and it is more blessed to than to receive. Interesting. I have found one human being who has confessed the sin of coveting it comes out of the Romans chapter seven, verse seven. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. Okay, the Apostle Paul is saying that the word of God, when it brings it to bear, it shows you that you are a sinner. In Galatians, he called it this way: it is your schoolmaster. Okay, it shows you. You know what? On your best day, God hates what you're doing. <laughs> okay? You're still not righteous before God. That's what he's saying here. Look what he says here. I would not have known about coveting if the law had set not said, you shall not covet. You know why Paul all of a sudden dawned on him he needed a Savior? The law of God showed him his sin. He was violating the specific, and unless the specific is shown to me, then how do I know that I'm violating it? That's basically what he's saying. And what he was violating was coveting. He was awoke, Linsky says, to his sinfulness when he saw the sin of coveting. You know what? I like that because that is an honest man. That is an honest man. You know what is really cool about that text? Acts chapter 20, verse 33. This is at the conclusion of Paul's ministry. He's drawing near. And here's what the Apostle Paul says. I have coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to men who were with me. You know what's good about that? Once he identified that he had a problem, who helped him? He overcame the sin. What was it? Coveting. Think about it. Is there any greater sin in your life right now? I didn't hear an amen. Is there? What in our lives right now controls us more than coveting? I would argue nothing. I would argue nothing. The Lord gave him victory over coveting but he was honest enough to admit it was a problem. You know, and I, I, I I run into people and I say, well, you just don't understand, man. I live from paycheck to paycheck. How can I covet?" Let me tell you something. If you have anything, then you have the ability to give to what Lord is doing. Do you hear what I said? If you have anything, remember what he told the Corinthians in chapter 4? What you have, you what? You received. So if you have anything, you have the ability to give to God. He admitted there was a problem. Paul understood. I had a problem. And listen, when we have, have the right attitude towards money, that right attitude we will not covet. It ain't mine. I can't take it with me. Do, do I have... What he's trying to get to you and I right now in these first four verses is do you have a free, a willing, a liberal, sacrificial heart to give? So listen, Corinthians wanted this information. Don't you find that fascinating? This is a self-centered church. This is a church with a huge ego problem. And yet they wanted information on what? Giving. How do I give? This was a selfish church. The leadership was selfish. The people were selfish. You had rich people in this church that when they were going to have a potluck, they would have it an hour before the poor people got there so they wouldn't have anything left to eat. And yet they were concerned and had written the Apostle Paul to say, hey, what about giving? The Lord's table had become a time of drunkenness. And yet, they were concerned about giving. Corinthians wanted the information. That's fascinating to me. That is absolutely fascinating to me. Listen, we are to give to each other. Did you know that? You know, I watch people today and they think that, well, the reason he's teaching on giving is he wants more money. Is that really what I'm teaching? You know what? I will challenge anyone who would believe that about me. Then here's the deal. You walk with me 30 days and you tell me that that's my priority. My wife, she hates it when I get the checkbook. I give it all away. She said, well, you know, we've got this. And that's all right. Got to provide. So, see, I'd rather give a whole bunch of people all of my money and know that they owed me than me have to owe them. It's just just a weird thing I do. All right? See, if I give it all away, then I'm not tempted. Is God gracious or what? You know what I read about the first church in in in, in 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 Acts chapter two and three, and it says, "What about them? They had what all things in common do you know what that means? They had all things in common you know what that you understand what that means? you're here for me and I'm here for you and you for you and you for you and you for you and you for you it just goes across the board and let me tell you something if God is unchanging, tell me how that changed. It's the manifestation of the Lord Jesus Christ to a lost and dying world. Is it seen? That's why we went through and over the course of the years of my ministry here, we purged our quote-unquote missionaries. And we went to the men and the women who needed it the most, who were steadfast on the Word of God. And those are the ones that we invested in, and guess what? God has reaped us a, 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 a harvest that you and I could have never dreamed of. You know, I brought this up about this thing going on in Israel, and you want to broadcast here, and everybody says, well, "Ah, right, we just can't." Over here. How quickly we have forgotten! How quickly. We have forgotten. Do you understand that this church right now sets, if you take Pastor Paul out of the mix and you take what Nelda Tama did out of the mix, okay, just what we've done in Western Russia is only responsible for 19 expository preaching churches reaching a lost and dying people. That's all. Our smallest church that we have effect direct in-line effect with their Sunday school class is bigger than our church. And you're telling me, what?" But it has been people who said, "You know what? We have almost all things in common. We have a lot more things in common than most. That ain't the way the church looked in Jerusalem. Sharing of it freely. See, this quote I have to read to you because this is Linsky. and Every once in a while, Linsky goes up someplace and you're like, I don't know what he said. But it's evidently important because he wrote it down. But this one I understood. (laughs) (laughs) Amen, (laughs) brother. It's about time. Quote, God doesn't want us to store it up for some forgotten tomorrow, unquote. God wants us to be giving. He wants it on a constant, systematic, week by week basis. He wants it to be a pattern. He wants it to become a habit. I would prefer to see it become a vice. How would you like that? The people are addicted to giving to the church. (laughs) Listen, we are always facing the realness of our stewardship. Always. We have a primary responsibility to give to the needs of the believers, whether it be spiritual or physical, and usually it is both. Both. I'm going to give you another text because I, I, I think that it's appropriate. It comes out of the book of Acts chapter 4 beginning in verse 34. Remember I shared with you what was going on in Jerusalem, right? This is the Jerusalem church. the first Baptist church of Jerusalem. It's the first church ever. Verse 34 says this, For there was not a needy person among them for all who were, do I read on for all who were owners of land or houses would sell them and bring the proceeds of the sales and they would lay them at the apostles feet and they would be distributed to each one as any had need. Now, Joseph, An illustration. Joseph, a Levite, a Cyprian birth, who was also called Barnabas by the apostles, which translates means son of encouragement, who owned a tract of land. He sold it and he brought the money and he did what? Laid it at the apostles' feet. Then chapter 5 gives you the contrast. I want you to understand something about this text. Okay. And I'm going to close with this thought. Do you understand that the apostles didn't say sell it and give us the cash? They didn't say it. The people who owned. Property, who had this ability, said, what is going on here is more important than a track of land. And let me help it. And let's be realistic. They did have a phenomenon that you and I, that would scare me to death if I preached a message and all of a sudden we had 5,000 new people. Okay, I'm out of here. You guys handle it. I mean they did have at least 10 disciples who walked with Jesus for 3 years. We don't have that. But you see what I'm trying to get at? Then all of a sudden he preaches another we got 3,000. We got a church that started out with 500 shaky at best people and now we got 10,000. What do you think we ought to do? <sighs> Make missionaries. Oh, that's going to take some time. Poo. We don't have time. So what do we need to do? We need to start putting these people up in our homes. Because the Bible says, as you are going, make disciples of all peoples. Fascinating, isn't it? So when, you, when I'm looking at this, I'm sitting here trying to explain this to you, understanding the principles of giving because there's a protection in giving. And now you see why I have a little bridge that moves between the two. Because if the money is important to you, know this, this day, you are in extreme danger. Okay, because I guarantee you everything that you hear or you see is drawing you, is pandering to you and your nature of coveting. And the more time I spend in that nature of coveting, more time I spend playing with that thing, the more time I keep tickling in that thing and listening to that small thing and eyeballing that small thing, guess what happens? The more I will look like it. And when I look at the body of Christ today collectively in this country, what does it look like? Coveting rules the church. And now by the grace and mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, every single one of you has been warned. I didn't get an Amen out of that one either. This is about as an amen as am I'm gonna to get today. You're right, dude. <laughs> Can we go eat now? Thus saith the Lord. Okay. I know. Why didn't you teach on evolution? <laughs> <laughs> Let's have a word of prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the abilities that you have given each and every one of us. Father, the freedom of this land, um, the, uh, the economy of this land, uh, the economy of each of our homes that are represented here. Father, the, just the amazement that you continue over and over. But Father, help us. Help us as You helped our brother Paul as he was convicted of his sin of coveting. And yet, Father, by Your grace and mercy through the power of Your Holy Spirit and the proclamation of Your Word, he had victory. Father, give us victory. Give us victory. That we may walk in a manner worthy of our calling, that we may be overwhelmed by what You do, and that, Father, that You would give us the true riches, souls to invest in to strengthen and to watch you mold in the very image of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. In Christ's name, amen.